Bowlers. Listen up, bowlers. Are you looking to gain mental focus over your competition? Do you ever need that extra burst of all natural energy during league play? MindFrame is the first all natural supplement packed with vitamins and all natural ingredients to keep bowlers at the top of their game. Supports muscle recovery and joint support for the day after that long tournament. You cannot continue to neglect your most important tool, your body, if you want to win. Experience the striking power of MindFrame. Visit s3direct.com. That's s3direct.com. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today is Matt Canisaro. Matt is the media relations manager for both the USBC Open and the Women's Championship, which are going on in Reno and Syracuse. Matt joining us today from Reno, Nevada. Matt, 6 a.m. out in Reno right now. Uh, how are things going? Well, things are going good. We're, uh, we're about an hour away from the start of bowling for today. Uh, we're on the lanes, of course, from 7 a.m. until 3 a.m. on most days. Uh, so it should be another exciting one. The sun is up, and uh, and we're ready for it today. And you've been you've been in charge or, or doing a lot of the commentating on the UStream, which uh, I, I've really enjoyed listening to this year. Uh, do they ever do any UStreaming events at 7 a.m. Squad? Uh, well, yeah, we we haven't yet. Uh, we kind of uh, look at the schedule and, and try to pick some uh, some of the more. Uh, I don't know, some of the better bowlers and uh, some of the more prime times, I guess. So when those people are going to be up watching for sure. Uh, and none of those bowlers have uh, have fallen on 7 a.m. just yet. Uh, if that happened, we'd probably pick their team event. Matt Canazaro joining us on the Above180.com podcast. Matt, this is only the second year that you guys started the Ustream video. Seems to be going over very well. Lots of people we speak to are, uh, this is one of their favorite things to do is come and watch the competitors to try to gain any knowledge and insight before they bowl the USBC Open. Matt, are you planning next year on possibly increasing the number of streams that you guys are able to do on a monthly basis? Well, I definitely appreciate everybody watching. It's uh, something that we added at the Open Championships last year, and we put together kind of a, a jerry-rigged uh, live stream kit, uh, kind of based off of what Lucas Wiseman does at other events around the world, and uh, it took off pretty well. It was very well received, so we upgraded our equipment and some of our software this year, added a second camera, uh, last year we did 10 broadcasts just to test things out and see how, how people would like it. Uh, this year we have 15 scheduled, and it uh, really comes down to just a manpower thing, of course. Uh, there's two of us in the department, and we have a part-timer who helps two nights a week so that we can get some time off. Uh, but at the same time, of course, we're we're doing the rest of our public relations duties and maintaining the website, covering the action from the lane, stories and such. Uh, getting all the scores on the website, pictures, talking to the media. Uh, and I also oversee the women's event, and uh, which is in Syracuse this year. So it's just a matter of what we have the time for uh, between the two of us. And uh, and we'll do our best. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to work some more into the schedule next year. 
So I was watching one of the Ustream broadcasts last week, and uh, I, I had a chuckle that I, I couldn't get rid of because you were talking about yourself. You you finally became famous at in the stadium, and it wasn't from your bowling prowess. And, and I know for a fact you're one of the better lefties around, uh, but from your broadcasting capabilities. Do you remember saying that? Well, I, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's one of those things that... Uh, I didn't didn't really see it as a strong point at first, and, and I think the more we do, uh, certainly not a not a broadcasting all star by any means, but I think we're we're getting the hang of it. And luckily, my uh, my sidekick Emil Williams Jr. Uh, that's his job. He uh, he went to school for broadcasting, so he understands what's going on. He knows how things work, and and I uh, picked up some tips along the way, and and hopefully it continues to get better and more enjoyable. I do encourage people to watch with the sound off, however. They get to see the bowling action and read the chat room stuff, and then they don't have to listen to me for three hours. But uh, I appreciate people tuning in. Matt, let's move along to the USBC Open for uh, get people up to date as far as the standings because some people, uh, unlike you, who it's their life to know what's going on in Reno, some people have jobs and are, are kind of busy. So just give us an up-to-date kind of status over the last maybe three, four days, some of the highlights well, we definitely have some uh, some higher scores this year, and uh, the scoring pace picked up. I think it waited for me to get back from Syracuse. Nothing much happened while I was there. Past five or six days, we've had about fifteen or twenty honor scores, and uh, scores are pretty good. New doubles leaders, fourteen ninety four, just a couple days ago. Uh, team all events, Lynn's Lakers, very familiar team from Minnesota, uh, two thousand and two, two thousand six. Team All Events champions back on top. Uh, they they cleared ten thousand again, which is that's kind of the the big number to shoot for. Unprecedented, really. Less than thirty teams have ever done that, and they've done it three times. So a pretty talented group. Uh, I know there's some big shooters coming in, in the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll keep writing about the action. So check out Bowl.com for all the scores and highlights, and and uh, we'll bring it to you live. Uh, a couple of live stream broadcasts coming up as well. Yeah, there are some big shooters coming in. I know uh, the day we bowl doubles and singles, Matt, Tom Hess will be out there with his group from Iowa. Uh, I know Brett Wolf is going to be bowling soon. Uh, we know Jeff Riggles and his clan is going to be out there a little bit later in the month. Um, you know, now, other than doing the Ustream broadcast, I mean, you do tend to mingle and walk around and watch some of the players. Is there anything you can tell our listeners that that maybe is a common thread that you're seeing uh, among the players that are scoring better. Uh, you know, in other words, are they trying to keep their lines a little straighter? Are they trying to open up the pattern a little bit? Uh, how important do you feel you know team play is in, in breaking down the pattern? Is there any insights you can give us? Well, just from spending 15 to 20 hours a day at the stadium and talking to the bowlers and and doing the broadcast, the strategy this year seems to be pretty similar to the just a few years in the recent past. Uh, in the team event, uh, a lot of the guys like to work together to start further out, break the lanes down, and then they, they kind of move in as the team event progresses. Uh, hard for me to, you know, understand that a little bit as a left-hander. Obviously, I know I know bowling. I know how things work. Uh, when my team goes out there, I'll be out there by myself breaking the lane down. Uh, so I don't intend on moving in too much, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm working all alone. But uh, that seems to be the basic strategy in the team event. Uh, and, and you'll probably see Jeff Riggles and his guys do the same thing uh, on the 20th when we live stream those guys. 
uh, and it seems to work that way. They are able to burn out, burn up the outside, and create a little bit of room. And uh, as they gradually move in, they can have some missed room to the right, which works out pretty well. And then for doubles and singles, it really depends on who you follow and what time you bowl. Of course, 7 a.m. is going to be fresh oil for you guys. So you'll have to uh, to start breaking those down, probably play a little bit straighter early. And then by the 1140 squad, guys tend to move in. Uh, they have a little bit uh, more room to play with, uh, typically. Um, but it really all depends on, uh, on what happens before you get out there. Matt, one of the concerns that we hear about from time to time with bowlers on the different forums and blogs and in our conversations even at league is the fact that you only get fresh oil during team event at the USBC Open. Your singles and doubles, you are following a different team, unless, like Joey, you're bowling the 7 a.m. squad where you get uh, fresh oil. But has there been any thoughts or any discussion among the USBC to make everyone have the opportunity to bowl on fresh oil for doubles and singles uh, for their double singles events so that it would be that level playing field? Well, I think in the perfect world, that's uh, that's definitely something that we talk about. Uh, the tournament, of course, has 108 years of tradition. Uh, many of those years, uh, even the team events, uh, were back-to-back. And, uh, and so things were a little bit different in the old days. We moved the team events to different times so that they both had fresh oil. I believe that was in 2003. And uh, it's something that's always discussed, but, of course, there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, we're currently on the lanes, like I said, from 7 a.m. until 3 a.m., uh, so that doesn't leave a whole lot of time. And, if, you know, it wouldn't mean possibly changing up the schedule a little bit. I don't think we could bowl much earlier and we can't go much later because obviously there's just not enough time. But if it's something that we can work out, it's been discussed, uh, and, uh, and we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, there's been uh, other discussions on the forums, Matt, that I've been checking out, where some of the bowlers are wondering if it's feasible for the USBC to incorporate another category or division, uh, prize fund division, kind of level the playing field among some of the elite players that tend to stand out year after year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I can tell you that in the 1970s, we had the Classic Division, which was uh, for the PBA members to come out and compete as well. And uh, and the entries, I believe, uh, just weren't there back in 1979 is when, uh, when that came to an end. And I can tell you at this point, we've had uh, no discussions about any additional division. How about a senior division for bowlers that are, say, 50 years of age or older? Due to the fact uh, I, I've heard the average Average age of the participants in the tournament is close to 50. Well, the average age actually went down a little bit uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, and again, I could tell you there's been no discussion of adding any divisions, but we have added some senior products in our bracket area, uh, including uh, a senior all events and senior singles. So that's something that the seniors can pay an additional entry fee in the bracket uh, sign-up area, and it'll be a separate prize fund just for them. Oh, that, that's something new that I hadn't heard of. So that, I mean, that's good news for. For, for us old people, uh, but but again, you know, is the average age of the tournament participant right around 46, 47? Uh, it, it's right around there, um, possibly a little bit older, um, and it's just it's just such a big tradition. You know, we have our, our top participation guys that come out 40, 50, 60 years, and, and then we have the youngsters coming out to balance it out, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, people are out there for different reasons, of course, and, and some are chasing those participation records, some are chasing the Eagles, some are just there to have a good time, so it's, uh, it's a really good mix of people. Matt, 
want to switch gears a little bit with you. Noticed uh, on the 23rd of April, you posted a piece that says, Why Reno? Uh, it's very good. I recommend people go to bowl.com and take a look at that. But there's been a lot of discussion about people complaining and, and questioning the fact that the men's tournament is, is going to be in Reno so often and people complaining about it. And you kind of, in this article, go through in detail why Reno and talk about some of the great points. So I guess just kind of briefly tell us why Reno. Well, Reno has been very, uh, very welcoming, very receptive to the bowlers over the years. Uh, we've been here 10 times now, and the National Bowling Stadium, the, the Mecca, the Taj Mahal of 10 fans, came about in 1995. Basically, a, a permanent version of, of what we do or what we've done around the world, or around the country, uh, 1901. Uh, you know, everything is very close. Uh, proximity in Reno, you're able to, to walk to the hotel, and uh, there's a lot to do gambling and, and food and, and so many nice places to see and visit. Um, and, and Reno, again, stepped up huge in 2011 when uh, two other cities, Wichita and the Orlando area didn't quite work out for us, uh, so that brought us back-to-back for the first time to a city. And the fact that we can have both events in the same city at one time in 2013 and 2014 is a pretty huge deal as well. Uh, but there's really so much to do and so much to see in the in the general area and then, of course, in the surrounding areas that uh, I don't know how you can get bored in Reno. Uh, you know, I, I'm here six months at a time, and I enjoy seeing the sights and, and, and eating the food around town. And, um, you know, it, uh, it's really about coming to bowl the national tournament, though, uh, while seeing different cities and, and vacationing is also a good uh, a good product of this event. Uh, it's really about the bowling and that's uh, and that's why we come. Well, exactly, Matt. You hit on a key point there. Uh, number one, two points you hit on that, that I want to elaborate. Number one is the fact that there was cities that backed out of the tournament and Reno stepped up. Uh, uh, what would people rather have? The USBC cancel the Open for a year? Um, so it, it, you're right. Reno is great to step up and do that, and I agree. And then the second point I want to touch base on a little bit with you is the fact of what you just alluded to. And me and Joey were talking about this a little bit off-air is we consider this a bowling trip. It's great if we can go to a different city and maybe see a different site or, or do that sort of thing, but otherwise, this is a, a bowling trip for us. Well, it started in 1901 just, just as that. You know, it's a stage for bowlers to compete at the national level to crown the national champions. Uh, you know, it is the, the main event and the biggest age, and this is an opportunity for all USBC members to come out and compete uh, against other bowlers from around the country, and uh, and that was the intention back in when it started in Chicago. And you guys know, living in the Midwest, how important this event is and the tradition of it and what it means to, to succeed here and have an eagle and uh, and that's what it's about and the fact that you get to see other places in, in some years and many years uh, it's just a bonus I think you get to bowl and you get to test your skills against the best in the country you know, and then you get to see some places along the way it's, uh, it's all a bonus you know man I've been involved in bowling since uh, I was a kid probably in the early 60s I mean this is the greatest show in bowling w- without question and you know it's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations over the years you know the economy has hurt it to a certain extent I think being in Reno a few years in a row it's kind of hurt some of the entries a little bit but bowlers still respect our sport you know they appreciate what USBC is doing in in hosting such an event I think that there's nothing but good things in the future and you know with the advent of high school bowling and collegiate bowling you know taking off in the last few years uh, there's a strong base of competitors that are going to be supporting this tournament from here on out uh, you know talking a little bit more about the scoring pace you know there's been some big scores as we all know of maybe a few more 800s than typical, but uh, do you feel the average score or low to cash score is on par with past years? Well, 
really. I mean, you have to think that, you know, in, in 108 years of competition, we've gone from 41 teams to now almost 13,000 this year. And uh, and the fact that we put out a different condition every year, you know, some years the scores are going to be a little bit higher. That's, uh, that's kind of the nature of the game. You know, when you vary that pattern and, and, and sometimes scores a little bit higher, the, the top scores might be a little bit higher, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit lower. Like we saw, you know, it, it, it has to vary. It's a, it's a curve. And, uh, and overall, the average usually comes out about the same. And, and you're going to have to bowl well if you're going to win at this event. You know, you're going to have to rise to the top and shoot some good scores, and, and you have to expect that coming in. Uh, certainly, you know, the, some of the top scores right now uh, aren't as high as they have been in recent years. Uh, it's just, uh, you just kind of have to wait and see. I mean, anybody's capable of throwing a huge score on any day. You know, we saw in Las Vegas, you know, some of the highest scores we've seen in a very long time uh, as far as the winning scores, but the average was right there where it has been in the uh, about, you know, 170 to 173 range, and, and that's where we like it. Matt, could you give our listeners just a preview of the upcoming Ustream events so everyone can make sure they are tuned to their computers and bowl.com to hear you and Lucas and uh, you guys doing your great podcast. Absolutely. Uh, from the Open Championships, uh, our next broadcast is May 7th, which I believe is this coming Saturday, and that's going to be the defending regular doubles champions, Steve Bone and John Cryer Jr. from Minnesota, a pair of left-handers, and that's going to be at 8.30 Eastern, and uh, we'll watch them try to make it two in a row at the stadium. They won it last year with 15-14 was their total, and then on May 11th at uh, 8.30 our time, 11.30 Eastern, we'll see 2011 Masters champion Tom Hess and his team event. Tom always uh, very exciting and animated. I'm sure we'll see some excitement there as he uh, bowls his last Open Championship for a while uh, as he goes to be exempt on the PBA Tour, and then on May 20th, we'll see Jeff Riggle, soon to be USBC Hall of Famer from Madison, Wisconsin area. A very talented group as well. Those guys are always contenders, and they're going to bowl on the 20th at 8.30 our time, 11.30 Eastern. And then on the 28th, we'll see the defending Team All Event champions, Bo Gergen and his guys from Michigan. As uh, He tries to make it three years in a row with a title, which has only happened once in history, and uh, and that will be at, I believe, 2.30 our time, 5.30 Eastern on the 28th. You know, Matt, that's, a, that's an impressive group of uh, shows coming up. I have a question for you, and this is a little bit off the cuff, but all the bowlers you just mentioned are from the Midwest. You know, we had Iowa, we had Minnesota, we had Michigan, we had Wisconsin. Why do you think most of the past champions are coming from the Midwest area, the, the small little hub? And there's quality bowlers on the East Coast, the West Coast, down in Texas is loaded with great bowlers, even Florida. Well, I don't know. I think uh, our event itself got its art in the Midwest as well, in Chicago. And uh, it was definitely a hotbed for bowling, a lot of, a lot of concentration there and, and a lot of practicing. And I spread around pretty well. It's just uh, just the last couple of years, it seems like that's where the winners have come from. Um, at least the ones that were broadcasting, but I think it's a pretty good mix of, of bowlers from, from across the country, men and women, and uh, a lot of success at the Open Championships, but I think a higher concentration of players. So, I mean, those are the states with the bigger numbers of bowlers, and uh, of course, that's going to be reflected at the Open Championships as well. And Matt, as we wrap up, last night on Facebook, I asked a, a question saying, what should we ask Matt Canizario? And Danny Verdicia was, was quick to reply. He said, uh, ask Matt what he thinks the score of the FSU-UF game is going to be this oh, year. Unbelievable. Those Seminoles, they're always uh, coming out here and uh, they're pretty brutal. We have uh, quite a rivalry. Danny and I bowled against each other back in college. He, of course, at Florida State, me at Florida. Um, I'm going to take the Gators, no doubt. 
Uh, let's go with uh, a route this year, 35-14 Florida. And Matt, on that note, we're going to leave it at that. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. Again, Matt Canisaro, along for Joy Sarar, Matt, myself, Tim Berg. Good luck and good bowling. <laughs>